0: Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, hour one. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The Eric Erickson Show. The phone number is 877-973-7425. And yes, it is the weekend. We will take your phone calls. Uh, you can fire them up. Uh, I'm I'm actually delighted to spend time with you guys today on the phone. Uh, in large part because, well, this one of us has been in a meeting for the last three hours. <laughs> but nevertheless, I will endeavor to perform radio brilliance for you today. Because I got a lot to say about a lot of stuff uh, without having to revisit a bunch of topics from earlier in the week. Uh, the first one that I want to talk about. Is Dan Price? You know, yeah, it is. It's it's hard sometimes when you prepare a show like this. So let me let me pull back the curtain just a little bit here for you. Uh, I get asked this a lot. How do you how do you do your show prep? What do you prep for? What do you cover? I am actually a profound believer in news talk, not just talk. There are times I want to talk to you. About topics. Yesterday, we had a lady call and said, "Can can you give us some hope?" And spent a whole segment trying to encourage uh, this this listener. But I just I, I think that uh, the 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 ownership of most radio stations in America these days are owned by people who don't take the medium seriously anymore. Now, I I don't mean disrespect to any anyone who may be one of my bosses listening. Just just hear me out here. Uh, The majority of companies in this country who control radio, particularly conservative talk radio, many of the people who control conservative talk radio aren't conservatives. They just know that it brings in money, but they're concerned about the future of radio and how radio performs. Uh, I I don't think uh, some of the things that are being done to save radio are smart, Uh, But what I do think is that radio provides a service and not just a free service to people, but it provides a service on news and the timeliness of news. And so you can get my podcast if you want, or you can listen to my stream but if you listen live every day on a radio station or even to my my live stream that's live right now that many people listen to, what you're going to get is the news of the day. So that if you're listening in five days on a podcast or even tomorrow on a podcast, it's not gonna be relevant to you as it is right now because it is the news. And that's what separates a standard talk show from a news talk show. It is very difficult for my team To take one of my prior shows and make it into a best of, and sometimes it has to happen, but it's very difficult because when I do a show, it's about the news of today, not yesterday, not last week. It is what is cutting edge right now. And in fact, there have been numerous times where I get attacked by my listeners or criticized, I should say, for not covering a story that is all over the news. And the reason I'm not covering it is because I covered it when it happened. It was news that day. And so I've moved on by the time everyone else has caught up to it, which is why if you listen to me live, either live stream, day of podcast, or right now on your local radio station, You tend to be ahead of all of the other news because I value and prioritize covering the actual news right now. And one of the hard parts about doing that is in weeks like this, where there really isn't a lot of breaking news, there isn't a lot of new stuff to cover. It's relitigating old stories like the Mar-a-Lago situation. Uh, All of the news this week is relitigating it, but there is a new story that I actually want to spend time with. And typically what happens is I come in, I do an outline of the show. Today is very different because I literally have been in a meeting for three hours. Now, I, I stay up until about midnight, 1 a.m. I actually get up after 7. I'm not a, not a morning person, so I'll get up at 7, 7.30 in the morning, lay in bed for a while, reading headlines before I actually get up and start moving around. And I, I kind of build the show in my head. I put it in writing, and inevitably, I get in here, and like 15 minutes before the show starts, something's happened, and the whole outline goes out the window. But this story I saw this morning, and it immediately captured my mind because I remember when it happened, and I wish I had the archives of the show going back to when all of this stuff happened originally, because I would have the brilliant I told you so moment, because I remember talking about this in 2015 when the story hit. I remember saying there was more to this story than met the eye. Watch Out, and sure enough, it has become a story that's taken over the internet right now, a story by Karen Weiss at the New York Times about Dan Price. You probably don't remember who Dan Price is. I do. The moment I saw the story, it's like, finally, finally, you remember who Dan Price is. You just don't remember his name. And you remember Dan Price because of how the media treated him and used him to condemn Every other businessman in America, Dan price was the head of the Seattle company who decided to pay all of his employees, a minimum of $70,000. And when some employees complained and thought, "Well, they need to," he needs to pay me more than seventy thousand if he's going to pay all these other people seventy thousand because I have done so much more. He fired them and told them they need to learn to be humble. And oh my gosh, that's brilliant! It's brilliant progressivism within a corporation. It's a brilliant way to show a, cor- a progressive can run a corporation and give people an incentive. Well, what happened? is in doing that, it covered up the dark story I told you back in 2015, there had to be more to it. Five years ago, Mr. Price propelled himself to an unlikely position for the head of a 110-person payment processing company when he told his employees he was raising their minimum pay to $70,000. His announcement was covered by the New York Times and NBC News. Esquire did a photo shoot. He made appearances on The Daily Show and the Aspen Ideas Festival. Katie Margus, a model and artist, first learned about Dan Price in 2020 the way many people do through social media posts that celebrated his progressive politics. By the time Ms. Margus discovered him, his reputation and following online had grown even more. His self-styled role as a CEO speaking truth about corporate greed resonated with the wide audience. His posts on social media had been liked tens of millions of times. He joked with Kelly Clarkson on our daytime talk show with Lionel Richie looking on. He introduced Andrew Yang to a Seattle crowd during Mr. Yang's presidential campaign. His video chatted with he video chatted with former Secretary of Labor Robert Reich who called him the one moral CEO in America. Mr. Price was a young, handsome executive whose worldview spoke to Ms. Margus's. a real live influencer on social media who criticized the excesses and arrogance of other business leaders. He posted a seemingly endless stream on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn, saying the right things about inequality, about mental health, about women. After Ms. Margus liked one of his Instagram posts in 2020, Mr. Price, who was 35, messaged her, Happy Valentine's Day, beautiful. Ms. Margus, 27, ignored the message initially, but replied back earlier last year after friends in a group chat once again shared one of his tweets. You're wonderful, she wrote. Turns out he was not. You probably don't remember the details. Oh, I do. I do, because I remember getting uh, incendiary attacks on social media when I said this, there was more here. I believe it was his brother or other relatives in the company were were furious with him. They thought it was a terrible idea, and he insisted, and, and he essentially used the positive PR to push everyone else who stood in his way out of the company. Turns out he's not a great person. On Monday... Police in Palm Springs, California, said they referred Ms. Margus' case to local prosecutors recommending a charge of rape of a drugged victim. Prosecutors in Seattle earlier this year charged Mr. Price with assault in another incident. After responding to questions early in the day from the New York Times, Mr. Price tweeted he had resigned on Wednesday evening as CEO of Gravity Payments. He wrote he had become a distraction and needed to focus full-time on fighting false allegations made against me. There were warning signs about Mr. Price, but Ms. Margus did not see them when she did a Google search. Many of the top results for Dan Price were his own social media accounts and flattering stories. Buried was the reason he had, for a time several years ago, nearly vanished from public attention. An article the author of this New York Times piece wrote in 2015 for Bloomberg Businessweek that revealed his story about the pay raise had notable holes and that his former wife had accused him of domestic violence the attention dried up. Now, there are a number of things to say about this story. And the first is much of the American media, because the American media has become so progressive, embraced this guy without asking very many questions when it happened. In fact, the author of this story for the New York Times, Karen Weiss, was one of the very few people to ask the stories in Bloomberg, and it never really went anywhere. And she can say here that, well, his fame kind of dried up, but it didn't really. He was able to pivot off those positive stories around the country, including being named the best boss in America by Inc. Magazine in November of 2015 for a rise in fame. It's like the Harvey Weinstein story. Harvey Weinstein, until the Me Too movement really came about and and strengthened, Harvey Weinstein could get away with all sorts of stuff because the media loved him. He was accessible and gracious to the media and Democrats. Remember, when the Harvey Weinstein story came out, what, what, what did he do? What did he do? He immediately said he was going to pivot to focus on gun control in America and spend his time building a social campaign to get gun control passed. And he really thought he could do that. And for a time in America, he would have been able to get away with it, but not during the Me Too era that itself kind of fell apart. But Harvey Weinstein knew how the game was played. It was deeply telling that he thought he could pivot to gun control. This guy was a progressive, Dan Price was. He attacked Donald Trump regularly, contrasted his leadership skills to Donald Trump's, and oh my gosh, the left loved it. The easiest way to get fame in America today is to attack Donald Trump and use your platform to be awful to Trump. Hello, Michael Avenatti, and to a degree, Liz Cheney. That's what this guy did. Charismatic messenger in a movement of growing inequality This woman writes about him in the New York Times, but the story he was telling in public didn't add up. He told the media that his brother, who co-owned Gravity, sued him after the wage increase and implied it was retribution for reducing the profits. Court documents showed that Mr. Price's splashy $70,000 wage announcement took place after the lawsuit was initiated. Mr. Price told media outlets his divorce several years early was amicable, but his former wife gave a TED Talk in which she described abuse. He got mad at me for ignoring him and grabbed me and shook me again, Ms. Cullen read from her old journal. He started punching me in the stomach and slapped me across the face. She recalled once locking herself in a car, afraid he was going to body slam her into the ground or waterboard her in their upstairs bathroom like he had done before. Mr. Price denied the incidents and threatened to sue the University of Kentucky for defamation if they left her talk up, and so they took it down. The media makes celebrities of some deeply flawed people. And very rarely do they have the willingness to walk it back. Oftentimes what the media does is they'll build someone up and then they'll tear them down. Now, this woman in her article in Bloomberg Businessweek actually cost him money and he did disappear. But then he reinvented himself on social media and people forgot her story because there were so many other massive stories out there praising him. Y'all... This goes to Brian Stelter leaving CNN. Stelter's problem was that he loved the cable news media so much he couldn't hold it accountable. He could only focus on the part of it he hated, Fox and conservatives and Trump. He couldn't hold it accountable. And what is the media today? It's not a necessary aspect of a free people, although the free press is. But cable news is not. What is cable news? Cable news and the newspaper more and more is an industry that depends on outrage for clickbait to generate profits. And that is an industry that could be held accountable. And no one wants to do it. And because no one really wants to do it from within, they allow monsters like this to get fame until they can get more fame and more clout by then tearing down the monsters they built. Like Harvey Weinstein. Like this guy. Like so many other people. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. Don't forget to sign up the show notes. They came back today largely because, well, Philip came back to work so he could send them instead of me. (laughs) Sorry about yesterday. Um, But if you text data to 33777, uh, you will get the show notes email. And we are trying to be mindful in doing it. Um, to try to find, when we're linking the stories, if we can find them from places that don't have paywalls so you can get easier access to them without having to do a bunch of subscriptions, uh, and you can figure out what Zafrasia is. (laughs) We're actually going to talk about Zafrasia here in a little bit uh, with the Russians. Right now, however, it's not a disease, it's a place, by the way. Uh, I want to point something out. You want to see how politicized things are. This is how politicized the Department of Justice has become. The U.S. attorney in Massachusetts has issued a statement regarding the threats against Boston Children's Hospital. You'll recall their allegations. Boston Children's Hospital has been performing or advocating for sex reassignment surgeries on minors. They claim, no, no, we only do it when they're 18. Some have found supposed documentation showing that actually it was uh, kids under 18 until there was outrage. Uh, But the U.S. attorney in Boston has issued a statement. Today's news about the alleged threats directed at Boston Children's Hospital Transgender Health Program is disturbing. Children deserve an opportunity to thrive and grow as their own authentic selves. Parents, guardians, and healthcare providers who support them in that journey should be allowed to do so free of threats and harassment. I want to make it clear the Department of Justice will ensure equal protection of transgender people under the law. Where was the statement from the Department of Justice about the protesters at Supreme Court houses when there's a specific law against protesting to affect decisions outside the homes of justices? Where is the Department of Justice statement about Jane's Revenge firebombing pregnancy centers around the country? Where is the federal investigation? into Jane's Revenge. Where is the public statement about that investigation? Nowhere. Nowhere. The U.S. attorney is willing to release a statement on Boston Children's Hospital getting threats, but no U.S. attorney nor the attorney general has released a statement about pregnancy centers actually getting firebombed, not just threatened. Merrick Garland has refused to enforce a law prohibiting protests outside the homes of federal judges as applied to the Supreme Court. Refused to to enforce it. Won't arrest anybody for it. But for this, they want you to know they're going to take action if you are opposed to having children permanently physically mutilated because they think they are of the wrong gender. Um the double standards and the partisanship at the department of justice. It's not just Republicans who do it. The Democrats totally doing this. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. Phone lines are wide open. Eight, seven, seven, nine, seven, three, seven, four, two, five. If you want to call in. So, um, hang on a second. Now I, I can't suddenly ever have one of those moments where you remember a, um, something and then you don't, um, Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This was this was back then too. Same year as the Dan Price stuff. So I have not been to my seminary classes in just over a year because of scheduling, and I am really desperate to get back to them. Um, I really, really miss, and I got to figure out my schedule in order to be able to make it work. I've uh, been at Reform Theological Seminary RTS. In their campus in Atlanta, really in Marietta, just north of Atlanta. Great, wonderful seminary. And I really miss taking classes. And honestly, I'm going for the classes. I'm not really even going for the degree. I just want the knowledge. And it's a great way to, um, to, I, I just learn and uh, deeper learning. But I, I remember uh, January 7th, 2015. I was actually I was taking a class and it was an intensive multi-day class on I'm trying to remember which one it was. It might have been the Prophets. So it was this all-day thing where I would take off work for the day and it was a it was like you'd have it on a Friday and a Saturday and So I think that was, I think that it doesn't matter. I was in, I was in seminary and the news of the Charlie Hebdo attack broke. If you will remember the Charlie Hebdo shooting, uh, Islamic radicals forced their way into the offices of Charlie Hebdo in Paris. Charlie Hebdo was a satirical magazine and it had A published drawings, mocking drawings of the Prophet Muhammad in Islam. One is not to put up any pictures of Muhammad, especially ones that ridicule him. And so two individuals broke into Charlie Hebdo and slaughtered the staff, murdered the staff. Twelve people killed, eleven others injured. The same day that happened in Atlanta, Georgia, Kelvin Cochran was fired. And it caused more of an emotional wrath than I expected, but I've stood by the monologue ever since. When I got to my station, I had been in class all day, trying to synthesize all the news, then found out about the Kelvin Cochran situation in Atlanta. Kelvin Cochran was the fire chief in the city of Atlanta who had uh, more than a year before written a book for a Bible study at his church, a small group Bible study called Who Told You You Were Naked? And the book was about sin and walking with God, and one of the passages in the book um, talked about homosexuality as a sin in the Bible. The Bible says that same-sex relations are a sin. Whether you agree or not, it's what the Bible says. And Cochran was a Christian, uh, is a Christian, and wrote about this portion of the Bible and how we deal with sin. The whole book was not about this. It was just one one passage of Scripture That was in the book that he addressed, and most of his addressing it was actually just publishing the scripture. And, well, a retiring, if I remember the story right, a retiring lesbian captain on the fire department force complained. Waited until she was retiring to complain, and they fired Kelvin Cochran. They claimed he did not have permission to publish this book, of which I have a copy to this day. Uh, Well, the truth of the matter was he had been given permission. It had not been put in writing, but he was able to document it. He was able to show it had been out. He had given copies to people a year before, um, and no one said anything until a year later someone complained, and so Kelvin Cochran, I believe it was the Alliance Defending Freedom, represented him, and he settled uh, in his favor with the city of Atlanta. Well, all of this was happening that night, I was coming back from seminary and I was fired up about all of these things and I got on the microphone and I started talking about how the terrorists could not take someone disagreeing with them. And the terrorists decided they needed to destroy those who mocked them and their gods. And so the terrorists stormed the city of Atlanta, City Hall, and demanded Kelvin Cochran be fired. And I started my local news show in Atlanta with that, and everyone thought I was talking about Charlie Hebdo, and I wasn't. And people were furious with me for comparing the two. But I've stood by the um, comparison that the difference between islamic radicals and far left progressive activists is that far left progressive activists they don't want to kill you yet far-left progressive activists want to destroy you. They want to destroy your life. Uh, They want to silence you, censure you, get you out of the way. Uh, The Islamic radicals will kill you. The progressives won't kill you. They'll just destroy your life, although there's an increasing number of radical, terroristic progressive activists. Uh, We've seen uh, the Unabomber. We have seen environmental activists place car bombs and things like that. We've seen progressive activists. In the 1970s, did you know that for uh, a year in the 1970s, I think it was 1970, California averaged a bombing a week from left-wing activists? People didn't like those, people didn't like the comparison, and I understood why they didn't like the comparison, but I thought it was an apt comparison. Well, I bring all of that up because Kelvin Cochran in Atlanta was fired for writing a book for a Bible study, and he was only fired after progressives complained he had done nothing wrong. All he did was quote scripture itself. Well, Andrew Fox has lost his job now. Andrew Fox uh, was the fire department chaplain for Austin, Texas. This is from Ryan Mills at National Review. In July of last year, about a week before the Summer Olympics began, Andrew Fox posted a blog on his website. He was writing, he says, as a sincere advocate for women's rights in sports. Part of a blog series exploring the woke uprising from a biblical perspective, Fox, a Protestant minister and chaplain, used the new post to critique the growing trend of biological men transitioning and competing in sports as women. The issue he wrote is about gender identity and how ridiculous it is becoming. He wrote about fairness as described in the book of Proverbs. He wrote about the identity of men and women as described in Genesis and echoed throughout the canon of scripture. And then he was fired. Leaders of the Austin Fire Department where Fox headed the volunteer chaplain program told him they'd received anonymous complaints about his blog post, which he had offended some LGBTQ members. He was asked to write an apology letter, but it was rejected. Fox refused to recant his beliefs because of this, he said he was dismissed from his duties. On Thursday, he filed a lawsuit. With the Alliance Defending Freedom, the same group that represented Kelvin Cochran, filed it against the fire department, alleging the department violated his First Amendment rights to speak freely about his religious beliefs. What they did was they punished him for simply speaking about his theological beliefs on his own personal blog, on his own time, unconnected to his volunteer role with the fire department, said Ryan Bangert, senior counsel with ADF. They punished him for conducting a ministry. He's a minister. He's talking about theology on a theological blog. An Austin Fire Department spokeswoman declined to comment on Fox's case or his service as a chaplain. She didn't respond to general questions about the department's policy regarding freedom of speech and viewpoint neutrality. ADF pointed out that the city of Austin, and the fire department have for years promoted a social justice agenda and expressed public support for alphabet gang issues. The fire department was the first public agency in Austin to participate in the pride parade, had its crew wear shirts emblazoned with a rainbow for pride month and once released a public safety message featuring a drag queen. The city of Austin and the fire department are are really sending a message that unless you adhere to their ideological beliefs, you're not welcome, says Mr. Fox's lawyer. You know, Mr. Fox, by the way, is an immigrant from the United Kingdom. And he wrote this on his own time, on his own dime. He's a minister. This reminds me of the case up in uh, uh, up in Montana, where the pastor of a church, the church itself declined to participate in a pride Month event with a local food bank that they had otherwise supported. And the pastor of the church, is being fined by the Realtors Association for hate speech. Have you all heard of this? I've talked about it on the show. This is the fact pattern because some people question this. This is, well, if he can't sell houses to people who are gay, he shouldn't be a realtor. That's not the fact pattern. The fact pattern is he is the senior pastor of a church. The church works with the local food bank and has for about 30 years. But the church refused to participate in a pride event because the church is an Orthodox Bible-believing Christian church, and you all all know what Orthodox Bible-believing Christians believe about that. And because he's the pastor of the church, the local Realtors Association has fined him $5,000 and threatened to kick him out of the MLS service and not give him access to it because of the National Board of Realtors hate code. Not because of anything he did, but because of what his church did. And he's the senior pastor of the church. Not because he refused to um, rent or, or help a gay person buy houses, but because of what his church did. The level of intolerance and bigotry in this country to people of faith continues to grow as those who once felt like they were oppressed become the oppressors. Now, you know, this gets into the whole intersectionality thing. You know, what the intersectionalists believe is that white people... Are the oppressors and what must happen is we must subvert the dominant paradigm. You know, we must make the the uh, non-white people dominant in society and what the uh, what the wokes believe is that once they're the dominant people in society, we won't have oppression anymore. You say, wait a second, why won't they oppress the people who oppress them? They're Well, oh, because they've lived through it. They'll never do it. Actually, what we're seeing with the alphabet gang is that they're willful oppressors of those who they believe once oppressed them. The fire chief's got to be fired because, or the fire not the the fire chief's got to be fired because he wrote a Bible study. The fire chaplain, who's a volunteer, has to be fired because he expressed on his own private website his personal beliefs, and the pastor of the church has to be fined for the church's beliefs. Archbishop Chaput. From Philadelphia once said, it's a great line. Evil preaches tolerance until it's dominant, and then it seeks to silence good. And you can kind of see what he means by the world around us right now. Unbelievable. Now, before I go anywhere else, I want to take a quick phone call. Justin, welcome to the show. How are you?
1: Hey, buddy. How you doing? Good. What's going on? Oh, driving up to Atlanta. That's always good or always bad, depending uh, on what yeah. time you come. <laughs> Hey, um, man, thank you for talking about this today, Eric. I got I got I 100% agree with you. And I was telling your call screener this, and this is what I really think. I think a huge part of why we're seeing a draw to extremism is because it's not an evil playing game. If If people were feeling that their rights were kind of equal with everyone else, hey, we're going to take care of this issue on the left and we're going to take an issue on the right to your point about hey we're going to protect the supreme court justices because that's the law i think if people were seeing inequality i don't think we'd see the extremism but it's the fact that i think conservative people are feeling rightfully so that they are constantly being told no that they're constantly not getting the same rights and so therefore they're going to go to voices and leaders they're going to do that people are always going to flock to what protects them look at israel and wanting King Saul. They're going to flock to what protects them. Am I making sense?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They absolutely are. And in fact, I, I have long maintained that one of the reasons we had the rise of the Trump phenomenon here is because conservatives increasingly viewed progressives as an existential threat to their way of life. And they felt like they needed a strong man to protect them from the left. And Trump, you ask people what he stands for, they say he fights. And he was willing to fight the left on the right's terms for the right. And so people rallied to him and and had his back. I think that really does explain the dynamic pretty tremendously around the country right now. And it's only gonna get worse unless, frankly, I think it's on the left to say, you know what, we will agree. Let's go with federalism. Everybody, leave everybody alone, and everybody's allowed to have their own views, even if I disagree with them, and we can all have a polite society civilly together, even as we disagree, and they don't want to do that now. They don't. Now, what I want you to do is go to EdenPureDeals.com and put in Eric3 on the front of that website. You know what? It's been a while since I visited the site myself, EdenPureDeals.com. And the website comes up and lo and behold, look, you have a box right there on the front and it says, what's your discount code? You put in ERIC3, E-R-I-C-K-3, and you get three Eden Pure Thunderstorms. Why do you want three Eden Pure Thunderstorms? Well, you want one for upstairs, one for downstairs, one for your musty smelling basement or attic or your car or your suitcase like I have, and it eliminates odors. Yes, it gets rid of the mildew, the mold, the dust, the pollen, all that, but it really wipes out odors. Such a good job of it too. And so you get them, and you put them in your house, you plug them in, you use a USB cord in your car, it'll work that way too. And if you've got smoky odors or pet odors, you name it, litter box odors, wipes them out. EdenPureDeals.com is the website. Eden, like the Garden of Eden, pure as the driven snow. EdenPureDeals.com. And in the discount code box, the host code word, Eric, E-R-I-C-K, 3. Hi there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. I am absolutely fascinated by this story. You know, there's a massive drought in Europe right now. Climate change, don't you know? The worst drought has dropped the Danube to its lowest level in almost a century. What I find just absolutely fascinating here is that uh, the Hulks, of dozens of explosives-laden German warships sunk in World War II are being exposed. The vessels were among hundreds scuttled along the Danube River by Nazi-Germans' Black Sea Fleet in 1944 as they retreated from advancing Soviet forces, and they still hamper river traffic during low water levels. This year's drought, viewed by scientists as a consequence of climate change, has exposed more than 20 of them on a stretch of the Danube near Prahovo in eastern Serbia, many of which still contain tons of ammunition and explosives and pose a danger to shipping. The German flotilla has left behind a big ecological disaster that threatens us. People of Prahovo says Vladimir Trajilovic, 74. I am, I'm just fascinated by this. Um, The pictures are remarkable of these ships that they can see. Now, the the Danube really is um, very, very low right now. And, you know, the Europeans, interestingly enough, to fight climate change have decided they want to give up rail traffic and 18-wheeler traffic, and they want to start shipping stuff on the Rhine and the Danube instead, using, I guess, sailboats or some such. And now they can't because the river levels are so low. They can't get the coal to the power plants. I just uh, it, the whole thing is just kind of crazy, and of course everything is about climate change these days. It's all climate change. People, don't you think otherwise? It is one hundred percent exclusively climate change. And if you don't think it is, you're a climate denier. You might as well deny the Holocaust. You're terrible people. <laughs> it just it's kind of funny to see the Europeans get in this predicament, and why? Because they decided to rely on the Russians for everything instead of relying on themselves. My goodness, when we come back, let's talk about Mitch McConnell thinking the Republicans may not take the Senate.